Welcome to the Unmothered Podcast. Join me as we explore all the feelings and confusion surrounding the mother-daughter bond. Laugh with me, cry with me, and learn new ways to cope with what can be a very lonely existence without a mother to rely on. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome in, peeps. I have a special guest here with me today, someone that I met at my very first Freedom Academy. Um, I actually sat right next to Jacqueline. Gosh, is it five years now? Four four or five years? I can't even think anymore. (laughs) A long time. And um, I remember sitting next to her and feeling this like vibrant energy and also this heaviness. And I didn't know like what her story was. But over the years, I've been following her on Instagram. We remained in touch. And Jacqueline has a story that I know is going to help all of you guys. You're going to be so inspired and encouraged by her. She is just starting to come into her own of realizing (laughs) she has a voice um, of the things that are the hard story that she's gone through. And she is ready to just speak that out into the world. And so I want to encourage her. And so I I DM'd her and I was like, Jacqueline, I just love all the things you're doing on Instagram right now. Will you please come on the show? And she was happily said yes. And so Jacqueline, Julia, welcome on in. (laughs) Hello. Hi. So um, yeah, let's just go back for a minute. Just uh, when we met, I know um, you were going through a struggle in your marriage. And um, I'm just going to take us back to the beginning. Uh, After I talked to you, we learned a little bit more. So I just want you to tell me a little bit how you grew up and... um, And how that was as a child and then kind of like veering into teen years and what happened there. So I was raised in a Christian household and I was very close with both my parents, but I was definitely a daddy's girl. (laughs) (laughs) I was very close with my dad, still am. And he really like encouraged that kind of like rambunctious tomboy type behavior. Um, And I was at home. I was like that and like really crazy hyperactive. But at school, I was very shy and quiet, um, which caused me to go through a lot of bullying Mm. for years. Um, It started in like first grade and went all the way through high school. And it was the same group of girls. Um, And that for me, like, (laughs) yes. Right. (laughs) And that's really where I feel like things started for me of just insecurities, especially like body insecurity and body dysmorphia. Um, and just this feeling that I wasn't enough or I wasn't good enough and I wasn't safe outside of my home. Um, and it really shot down my voice as well as a very, at a very young age, it was as if my feelings didn't matter. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where, like, I feel like my story started was in like kindergarten of having those heavy feelings and no voice. (laughs) Your identity was already stolen at that point. How many girls were there that was doing that to you? Um, It was, there were three girls. It was a small private school. Um, So it was three girls that kind of like would start it. Mm -hmm. And then every year they would kind of gather the other girls Wow. And it just, I ended up leaving that school after sixth grade and went to public school. And it still continued through like three way phone calls and prank calls. 
Mm. It was a lot. <laughs> wow. They just uh, tethered right onto you. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. So that, that right there sets something in motion of you saying, I'm not enough. I'm not good mm-hmm. enough. And then you go into high school and you start dating <laughs> and partying. <Yes. laughs> so tell us a little bit about that and the, the husband that you met there. Um, so yes, we went to the same high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I had known him from the time I was like 14. We were involved in church together and everything. And we got pretty close at a young age. Um, and he was like a, just a safe space for me and someone that I felt really comfortable with. But I think because of what I had gone through, I, even in that relationship, like I didn't know who I was. I didn't find myself or anything like that. So it was, it was really a struggle for me to be myself Mm -hmm. and feel like I had a voice even in a relationship, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so yeah, started dating him, um, actually after high school. Um, but prior to that, because of like the body image issues and all the insecurities, I really struggled with guys in general Mm. and just, I just really struggled with that and my Christianity in and like just both of in physically, like what was okay. Okay. But feeling like I had to give myself to people physically, just even like small little things, yeah. like even if it was just kissing or anything like that, to me, like that was a lot. Um, but just feeling like I had to do those things mm-hmm. to have any kind of worth and any kind of like, yes. Yeah. And that really played into a lot of my relationships Yeah, growing up. Um High school was not like a fun experience for me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, again, with being bullied, but also like starting to deal with depression because of how I felt about myself mm-hmm. and also feeling very silenced, like growing up in a Christian home with the bullying and everything. It was always like kill him with kindness, right. just be kind to everybody. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled even then to like, use my voice as I got older. Um, and I think what was really hard for me at that point was I'm trying to figure out like how to explain this. Well, it was just hard for me to accept that God loved me yeah, for who I was at that time. If that makes any sense, I feel like it I'm really jumbled right sense. now. No, it makes sense. And also I think this is really important because well-meaning Christian parents, you know, we're Mm -hmm. always going to say, turn the other cheek, love them anyway, like those kind of feel good things. But what we're missing is the emotion of the person that's going through the pain. Yes. And so being able to sit with your child and say, tell me more about that. Like, tell me what you're actually feeling and how can I help you? We're Mm -hmm. automatically going to well, let's just forgive the other person because that's yes. what good Christians do. And so then you completely ignore the pain of the child that's going through what they're going through. And, yes. And we've all done that. I did that as a parent too. Like sometimes I was just like, well, they're probably going through a really hard time. You know, let's just be nice to them or whatever. And, you know, 
look, if I had had the tools that I have now, I probably would have had different conversations that way. So I understand like your parents were probably trying to do the right thing to be in that Christian bubble (laughs) kind Mm -hmm. of thing of like, this is the right way to handle it. But the missing component is you're missing the emotion and the pain that your child is actually going through. And we need to be more curious and more proactive on helping that child. Yes. Yeah. So as you get involved with this um, guy, Mm -hmm. tell me at what point like you, so you get married at what age? I was 20. Okay. So very young. Uh, It's interesting because you said, I felt like I didn't have a voice, which is so common. I feel like, so I've always told my girls like, your 20s are your crying years because you're learning all through your 20s. I feel like when you hit 27, 30, around there, you start figuring out, okay, now I need to find my voice. Now I need, I can say no and it's okay. But up mm-hmm. until then, I feel like um, not to discount like high school love or anything like that. I know people that got married in high school and they're still happily married and all that. But I feel like you grow up together because at 18, you don't know what you know at 25. At 25, you don't know what you know at 30, right? It's like yes, the experience of growing through that. So when you hook yourself up to someone else in your 20s, which we've all done, <laughs> you, um, you think that you have everything all together. But when I look back at that 25-year-old, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know, you know? And right. so, so uh, you get married to him. You don't have a voice. And how does that relationship go? It ended in divorce about a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. And I was the one that chose to leave. Um, and there were just a lot of things for me where it's like I was being bullied by his family mm-hmm. for not being Christian enough. Like I wasn't who they wanted for him. And he was very close with his family. So it created this like distance for him with his family that was then hurting us. And I ultimately was like, I'm done. Like, I can't do this. It was too hard. And it just kept me again, voiceless Mm -hmm. and also feeling like I couldn't, I couldn't tell my story. I couldn't really explain what was going on because I was needing to protect the family, which also like played in a lot into my future. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a common theme because once again, you're being bullied. Right. So your voice is being silenced. Yes. Yeah. So that marriage ends and then fast forward and you meet <laughs> your next husband. And yes. tell me a little bit about that. So we met years later. I think I was like probably 25. Mm-hmm. Um, and between that time of like getting my divorce and meeting my second husband, I was very, um, destructive Mm -hmm. because I felt so guilty about being a Christian and being divorced. Mm -hmm. And I was also told that for a long time that like everything I was experiencing was because I had been divorced, like that I was being punished, that God was Mm -hmm. giving, like, I was living out my consequences for breaking that marriage. And I so heavily believed that and sat with so much shame and guilt um, that that's actually what like stepping into this next relationship and my next marriage 
for me, it was a way of trying to heal what I had done to my first husband. Mm -hmm. I was making up for it. Mm -hmm. I was trying to save somebody that I was trying to save somebody who didn't really know who he was. And I identified with that. Yeah. And so that's really like how that marriage began. Yeah. And just how that so, relationship began. Um, and I know that there was a lot of narcissism in that marriage. Um, mm -hmm. And just a lot of things that you had to go through. And I um, know you started seeing a counselor and the counselor actually introduced you to that word and you were like, yes, what? <laughs> so tell me a little bit about that time. Um, what was going on in the marriage? Were you, were you done by that time and seeing a counselor or were you seeing the counselor during? So actually like there was so, there was so much abuse during that time that I did not see as abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, I very much saw it as like, I was just trying to help this person so badly and I was finding my worth in helping him. Um, and the entire relationship really was about him and his needs, his feelings. It was a very one-sided self-centered relationship, which I really fed into being empathetic. Um, and also, and also again, hearing like, what other people told you that this is what yes. you deserve. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. So, and thinking that this was somehow going to redeem my past, mm -hmm. that if I could fix this and make this work and I could love this person enough to get him to the other side, to the potential that I was seeing, I was somehow redeeming what I had done to my ex. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a very toxic relationship to begin with. Um, and I started seeing a counselor actually after he left. He, I had lost my grandpa who I was very close with, um, and who really like, he was kind of my go-to for anything faith-based. So I had, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we had already had our son and I got back into church when he was about six months old. Mm. Um, and then six months later I lost my grandpa and the next morning my husband moved out. And he decided that he wanted to work on himself and he was going to be able to do that better somewhere else. And I was like, okay, then like you go do that. And I started going to counseling during that period of time mm -hmm. and realizing like, I realized things were going on, but I didn't realize to what degree until years later. Mm. So he left, we continue to work on the marriage. Um, and I really felt like God was telling me to stay and I didn't understand why I just knew that I needed to be there. And during that time, there was lots of lying, lots of manipulation, um, and a smear campaign that I didn't even recognize what was happening because I was just so confused because he was one person over the phone with me or when we were together. And, but when we were out, it was like, he was this totally different guy. He was the family man. He was the provider. He was all these great things in public. Yeah. But then when we were alone, it was totally different. And I was constantly confused. Mm. Um, Which is so common 
for that kind of behavior is that it is twofold. So people see mm-hmm. the persona in public and they're like, are you crazy? Like he's the nicest person <laughs> in the whole world. Yeah. But behind closed doors, you're getting manipulated and abused and, you know, very confused in in both sides you're seeing both sides all the time yes and they're only seeing one so yeah that can and I think that also paralyzes you and it goes back to it's just like that whole narrative of like well um I'm not good enough I was bull you know it goes all the way back like Mm -hmm. you never had a voice then you know when you lost your first marriage it's like well, this is what you deserve. So you better make this work. And so you lose your voice again, because what you really want to say is this isn't right, but you don't even know what that looks like anymore. Right. Right. So it's so confusing. And that's why counselors are a good thing. Yes. (laughs) I was also so like, I was so protective of him, but I was also like, it was like, at what cost? I was losing my voice more and more, but I didn't I also was in a place of like not wanting to have another failed marriage and yeah. also have everybody look at it and be like, it's her, like she's her, the yeah. issue here because yeah. I didn't, I didn't know how to explain what I was going through. Right. Um, well, the issue is, is that you couldn't find your voice. So yeah, yes. so some of it is you, like you don't know who yeah. you are. So you're getting into this relationship where you're like, I, I think this is the right one, but really like you weren't ready to even enter into that. And then, you know, it's someone, and also I will just say people who are highly empathetic and beautiful, compassionate people are targets for narcissists because you have Mm -hmm. the biggest heart. Right. And so just like what you said, I wanted to help him. Mm -hmm. I thought I could save him. Yes. Which is so (laughs) true of us when we're in our own damaged state. We want to save everybody else, but it's like, girl, save yourself, (laughs) you know, but we don't work on ourselves. We're out there like trying to help everybody else. And so that's like very typical. So I feel like if there's any play in the game for you is that you were just this very compassionate person that's trying to be loving and compassionate to someone who just isn't ready and doesn't want it. And so then, you know, where do you go from there? So um, now moving so that marriage didn't work. <laughs> so now moving on, you went to counseling, you started doing work. And this is where I started seeing things change really in this last year. Um, mm-hmm. I just started watching uh, more of your reels and just things you were talking about. And I was like, man, she has grown so much. And so I was so encouraged by you. And I just wanted to know, like, how has God comforted you through these hard times? I want you to talk about how you started setting boundaries around your life um, and what it looks like today. Um, so with like discovering anything about narcissism, cause I knew nothing. So in going to counseling, when she talked to me about that, when I started to dig into it, it was one of those things where it didn't really make sense to me. Like there were parts of it that were spot on and there were other things that didn't make any sense. Um, and then I found this podcast and they were interviewing a author about, um, covert narcissism, which I had never heard about. And that's really where I feel like everything opened up for me 
And I went and like grabbed her book. It was called The Passive Aggressive Covert Narcissism or Covert Narcissist by Debbie Mirza. And that was the book that just like, I mean, I highlighted everything in it. I felt so seen for the first time. I felt like these people had been through exactly what I had gone through. Mm-hmm. And so now having a name for what was going on and having a name for what was going on, knowing that I wasn't crazy, like that's really what opened up the door for me for healing, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched God really from the beginning, like walk me through this, but in a very like gentle way. Mm -hmm. It was like little layers by little layers of like finding my voice, learning to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was really hard. Like it was really difficult to have to dig into things, um, with my marriage, but then it was like even having to dig in more to who I was and my past and healing that and like my inner child. Yeah. That was really hard, but that's where Mm -hmm. I feel like the healing really began Mm -hmm. was taking a step back from looking at the relationship or what I felt was being done to me Mm -hmm. and looking at realizing like the only way out of this and moving forward is to actually work on myself and find my voice and learn boundaries and boundaries for me were mean. I felt like I was putting up walls or that I was being controlling or, um, that I wasn't being a good Christian. Like I wasn't showing him Jesus by having a boundary. I also never realized that Jesus had boundaries. Like those things are not talked about in church. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's so good. Yeah. So, and it's, and you have to do that for yourself in order mm -hmm. to, you're going to keep repeating the same kind of habits with people. I love that you said inner child, man, that inner child work is so hard. (laughs) It's the hardest thing, but it's the most healing because you realize what you're tied to and what you have been Mm -hmm. like saying to yourself for years and years and years. But yeah, I feel like, um, as Christians, we're so afraid of boundaries because everything we think everything has to be a yes. And you're right. Jesus had boundaries when he's tired. He's like, no, no more crowds. I'm going away. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when he told people I need to do this over here there, he didn't say, sorry, (laughs) I know I need to do this over here, but let me just stay here and be nice to everybody. He was like, no, we're going here now. This is what we're doing. You know, he directed his disciples specifically to things that needed to get done. There wasn't any wishy-washiness about it. And yet we as people think that boundaries are cruel. And I always tell people it's the healthiest thing you can do because if someone's not respecting your boundaries, they're probably not someone who's going to respect anything that, Mm -hmm. that you are, that you say that you do like, they're just it. They're going to railroad you into what they want. And that's not a relationship you need. Yeah, no, I agree. And like I said, boundaries were a hard there's still something that I'm learning to do well and to not feel mean doing it. I've also yeah. learned like, I think the other hard thing for me to learn was like that boundaries was, was not about changing the other person. Right. It was about protecting myself. Yes. And when I first started with boundaries, it was like, I think I was focused on him needing to make all these changes 
but I wasn't actually taking anything away so much. Um, or even like, I wasn't doing what needed to be done on my end as much. I was just like pushing him out. And then when I realized like, okay, I'm not trying to just like change his behavior. I'm also Mm -hmm. needing to protect me and my kids. Mm -hmm. And that was the part that was hard for me. And just, again, just learning that boundaries don't mean that I'm changing the other person. Totally. That I have no control over that. Yes. Well, it's uh, like Dr. Henry Cloud, you know, the boundaries book, and Mm -hmm. they talk about a property line, which I just love. It's like, this is your property line and you don't let strangers into your property. You don't let bad people into your property line. Like you set a lock and then that's where your property line is. So it's like with my mom. So um, I would go to my mom. I wouldn't allow her to my house because every time she came to my house, she created chaos. And so I'm like, well, right. if I'm a good Christian and I say, but that's your mom, like you have to let her in, you have to. And I'm like, but then you can't change the legacy and the generational chain that you're trying to create yes. if you keep bringing toxicity in. So it doesn't mean that you have to completely cut them off all the time unless that's needed. But it's that you meet them somewhere else so that they don't come into your home life and destroy what you're trying to change and build. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that. Yeah. So today, I know like your biggest thing now is like you're you're like bursting. You're like, I have a voice. <laughs> <laughs> and so I see all of these reels. We're going to connect your Instagram handle and everything so people can follow you. And um, I know people are probably going to DM you, women especially, just are going to DM you and ask for um, advice or probably just want to talk to you and have questions. But um, what is your goal for helping others now? Where Where's your heart? <laughs> <laughs> um, just really helping women find freedom and finding their voice mm-hmm. um, where they're going to gain confidence and be willing to work on themselves and also know that there's a safe place to do that and that you Mm -hmm. can create that community for yourself. Um, that's kind of what I feel like I had to do. Like I had to reach out to people and say like, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm not okay. I feel isolated. I feel alone. And I needed those people to be able to kind of like push me in the uncomfortable direction of healing. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that this is there for them, that they can do this and also have them not feel alone in that. Um, I think also like my big thing is doing it through faith, like letting God lead you, which is such a hard place to get to because you have to be willing to fully surrender and look at yourself. Like nothing's going to change if you aren't willing to make those internal changes and like battle that inner child (laughs) and just realizing everything that really came from all the way back there that a lot of people don't want to touch. They don't want to deal with that. And I'm actually working on something right now. I'm in the process of becoming a mental health coach, um, which just means like I kind of stand in the gap for people in the church that are dealing with like mental health issues, whether it's like anxiety or bipolar, anything like that, where they're struggling, but there's no place for them really in the church at the moment they feel and they also can't get to counseling right now. Like I'm kind of that in between person. So good. So that's my my goal right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, you're going to be perfect at that. That is like, 
It's so needed too, because I wish I was just talking to someone the other day and I said, I wish it would be required for pastors to take some kind of trauma-informed coaching Mm -hmm. or mental health coaching so that when they are having these people come in, they're actually seeing what the real problem is, not the problem they're coming in with, (laughs) you know? So it's like, it's so much deeper than just the problem at hand. And when you understand that, it's like you can listen in a whole different way and really hopefully help in a whole different way and just be there and be a support. So I'm so excited for your journey. Like I, I see a joy in you that I haven't, you know, when I first met you, I saw a lot of pain in your eyes and I just wanted to hug you. But I was, I was telling you earlier, like, I didn't know if I could help because it looked so heavy. And I was at the beginning of my journey and I didn't know how to hold people's hearts and do that kind of work. And so um, I watched Carrie, you know, our friend Carrie Scott Garcia, like take you aside and talk to you. And I just saw you sobbing and I was like, what's her story? Like what's going on? It was just so crazy. And I know like during those three days, we had a couple laughs and, you know, sat next to each other and conversed very little bit, but I'm so glad that we stayed connected. Um, Through social media, I know people are sometimes like, eh, social media, (laughs) but I honestly have made some amazing friendships through social media just by staying in touch because we don't live close by each other. And so I just feel like I know you so well, and I'm just so happy to call you a friend, and I'm excited to see where your journey goes. So tell us how people can find you on Instagram. Um, I am Ms. M.S. period Jacqueline Julia. That's my handle on Instagram. Perfect. And we will put those in the notes too, so people can follow you. So I hope people just start watching you and um, seeing where your journey goes. And again, if you want to reach out to her with a question or just talk to her about this podcast episode, she would welcome that. And Jacqueline, thank you so much for doing this. I just, um, I adore you. I think you're so great. And so (laughs) I can't wait to see what the future holds for you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. (laughs) Of course. So until next time, peeps, we will um, be back with another episode. Who knows what we'll be talking about. (laughs) But um, I hope this one helped you today and we will talk to you all soon. See you later. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to get connected with other women who share your unmothered heart, head on over to my private unmothered Facebook community group. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast to help me share this message with other listeners. All the links mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes below. Bye, peeps!